0: Hey guys, Angie and the Pups here. Um, So I have this special mini-series I want to start because I came across something really strange. In my building, we have this area in our laundry room where if you move out, you can leave stuff you no longer want but you don't want to throw away. And um, I found this book down there and it's really cool and this guy gave it to me and I didn't think anything of it and I threw it on my bookshelf a couple years ago. And, uh, I came across it the other day when I was cleaning, and as I was flipping through it, I found this silly note in here. This is a book for teens called The Scary States of America by Michael Tiedelbaum. And this note, I'll post a picture of it on the Instagram. It says, The night before I bought this book, I was watching Mystery Hunters on Discovery Kids. And they were talking about Mercy. They said how she was in a sideways position and there were bite marks in her neck. As ya can guess, like Gigi, I'm a vamp freak too. (laughs) So basically this book gives like a little scary story from each state. And, um, this note was found in the Rhode Island state called Death of a Vampire. There was Nikita. Okay. Rhode Island, Death of a Vampire. What I learned in class today. Rhode Island is the smallest state in the United States. But it- but it has the longest official name, State of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. From east to west, the state measures 37 miles, and from north to south, 48 miles. A story you won't find in your textbook. I told you about my pal, goth girl, and what a total vampire freak she is. I thought our little adventure in that Mississippi cemetery was frightening enough, but then I got this I.M. from her. Seems she's been spending a little too much time in cemeteries for her own good. Instant message. Goth girl 485. JS. Sup, dude. Paraguy. Hey, Gigi. Long time no I am. I haven't talked to you since Roswell. Gigi. Yeah, well, I've worked hard to forget that group of losers you call friends. Paraguy. You're my friend. Does that make you a loser? Gigi. Bite me, okay? Paraguay. Do I sense a vampire story coming? GG. Good guess, psychic boy. This one goes way back, but we're not talking capes and bats and all that good evening welcome to Transylvania stuff. I uncovered this legend on a family road trip, so don't ask. Paraguay. I hear you; those can be serious drag. GG. My folks are all... We're going to explore America, and I'm all, whatever, can I just stay home? But of course I couldn't, so we ended up in Rhode Island. That's where I heard this local story, and you know, I just had to get a rubbing of that gravestone. (laughs) That's when the seriously creepy stuff happened. Paraguay, Tell, tell, tell. Gigi. Chill, dude. I'm telling, I'm telling. But I have to start with the local legend that brought me to the cemetery. The story begins on a farm in rural Exeter, Rhode Island. I don't know if I said that right or not. In the 1880s, George T. Brown was a successful farmer and was happily married to Mary Eliza Brown. They had two daughters, Mary Olive and Mercy Lena, and a son, Edwin. You know, like a perfect family. But then George's luck ran out. In the fall of 1883, his wife Mary got sick with tuberculosis. No vaccine or cure existed at the time, and the disease was, like, everywhere. By December of that year, Mary was dead, and George was a grieving widower with three children to raise by himself. Then a few months later, more bad luck, George's 20-year-old daughter, Mary Olive, gradually lost her strength, healthy color, and appetite, The first signs of the dreaded disease. By June of 1884, Mary Olive was dead too. For the next seven years, George, Mercy, and Edwin struggled along trying to move forward after so much death, but then the horrible disease returned. Nineteen-year-old Mercy got tuberculosis and deteriorated very quickly. She died in January of 1892. Soon, twenty-four-year-old Edwin began showing signs of the illness as well. Poor George Brown couldn't do anything but wait for his son to die. He wondered how he would ever get on with his life. He also worried that the disease might come for him next. Part of him hoped it would. Local superstition was that when one family was hit hard by tuberculosis, the cause might be a dead family member rising from the grave to devour the living. In other words, a member of the family had become a vampire and was slowly picking off the others, infecting them with the disease. Hello. That got my attention. George was a very down-to-earth guy who didn't believe this legend for a second. But many of his neighbors did. I did, too, when I heard it. And they soon began insisting that he do something to protect himself and them, from the possibility that his wife or one of his daughters might be a vampire. People back then believed that you could cure tuberculosis by digging up the dead body of a relative who had died from the disease and burning the corpse's heart. The ashes of the burnt heart would then be mixed with water and consumed by those suffering from the disease. Hoping for a cure by healthy people to protect them from getting sick. Gross. George wanted no part of this, and his neighbors wouldn't let it go. Finally, George agreed to have the bodies of his family dug up. Hold on a second. So, okay. <coughs> the ashes of the burnt heart would then be mixed <coughs> with water and consumed by those suffering from the disease, hoping for a cure or by healthy people to protect them from getting sick. Okay. On March 17, 19- 1892, Mary Eliza, Mary Olive, and Mercy were dug up from their graves. The bodies of the two Marys were totally decayed, their flesh was gone, their bones rotted. But when the body of Mercy was unearthed, George was shocked to discover that it was still fresh, even warm to the touch. Also, Mercy's body had shifted from the position it had been in on the day she was buried a doctor cut open her chest revealing a red heart still filled with blood when the heart was sliced open fresh warm blood dripped out George Brown's neighbors were horrified Mercy Brown is a vampire they screamed George didn't know what to do all the blood was drained from Mercy's heart then the organ was burned the ashes of Mercy's heart were dissolved into water and given to Edwin in a desperate attempt to save his life it failed. Edwin died less than two months later in May of 1892. However, no one else in, the Exeter, in Exeter contracted tuberculosis after that day. Oh, contracted. Sorry. George himself lived to be 80 years old, and the townspeople firmly believed that on that fateful day in March of 1892, they had killed a vampire named Mercy Lena Brown. Sick stuff, huh? Paraguy. So naturally, the minute you heard this story, you rushed out to the grave where your paper and charcoal to do the rubbing. With your paper and charcoal to do a rubbing. GG, wouldn't you? Paraguy. Any sane person would, so what happened? I know you didn't get in touch, so just tell me this dusty old legend. GG. Correctamundo, dude. Check this out. I snuck out of another boring tourist thing, the world's oldest schoolhouse or whatever, and headed right to the cemetery where Mercy Brown was buried. I had my pad and charcoal with me. I never travel without them. For all the fuss about the legend, it was kind of hard to find the grave. No big markers, no lines of tourists, no plastic gravestone replicas for sale, just a normal stone slab with her name and birth and death dates carved into it. I knelt down on the grave and placed my rice paper over the stone. As soon as my charcoal touched the paper, I felt something had grabbed my throat. My chest grew tight, and I had started coughing uncomfortably and uncontrollably. No way. I thought at first, I'm rubbing the grave of someone who died of tuberculosis, and I start coughing. You and I both know that weird stuff happens, but this seemed too obvious. Maybe a bug just flew down my throat or something. I tried again at this time, no coughing. As I finished transferring the image of the gravestone onto my paper, I heard what sounded like a woman crying. I looked around. This was, after all, a cemetery, so mourners would be expected. But I was completely alone. A second voice joined the chorus of sobs, and then another, and another. Some of the voices were female, some were male. I stood and slowly backed away from the grave. The sounds of crying slowly morphed into coughing. One by one, the voices barked out horrid, raspy, gut-churning coughs. Then my throat seized up again, and I had my own hacking fit. I turned and ran from the cemetery, grasping for a breath. As soon as I stumbled back out through the front gate, my coughing stopped and my breath returned to normal. I rolled up my new rubbing rubbing, and headed back to meet my folks. I decided to keep this little adventure like so much of my life to myself. My parents wouldn't believe a word of it anyway. Our happy little family trip ended back home in my room in Mississippi. I unrolled my new prize and and tacked it up upon my wall. But that night I woke up covered in sweat, feeling sicker than I've ever felt in my life. I'm getting TB, I thought. I caught TB from a woman who's been dead for over a hundred years. Through my fevered haze, I flipped on my lamp and looked over the gravestone, rubbing. Was I hallucinating? Blood oozed from the paper, running down in thin red streams that began to form letters. M-E-R-C. The blood was spelling Mercy Brown. I turned away from the wall. That's when I caught my first glimpse of her, standing silently in the dark corner. was a ghastly, pale, dark-haired woman, dressed in clothes from the 1800s. She stepped toward me now, raising her arm to reveal long, bony fingers i backed up against my headboard clutching my blanket around me like that would help was i delirious with fever or had the vampire risen and come to claim my soul as she stepped into the small pool of light cast by cast beside me past <clears throat> <clears throat> my bedside lamp i caught a sight of her throat or what used to be her throat the flesh of her neck was rotted away, exposing her bloody, diseased windpipe ravaged by, ravaged by TB. This isn't real. This isn't real. I kept repeating to myself. That's, what, that's when she lunged for me. Her mouth opened wide, revealing long fangs that were brown and rotted with age and decay. A sickening hiss escaped from her lips, filling the room with the stench of death. She yanked the covers from my bed and grabbed my ankle. I tried to scream, but my own throat felt parched damaged silenced by her overwhelming presence then it struck me the rubbing i spun off the bed crashing hard onto the floor but at least i had broken free of her grasp crawling along the floor i scrambled toward my desk and pulled myself up to a standing position the vampire advanced towards me i knew i had only one chance grabbing the matches i kept on my desk for lighting candles i scrambled to the wall feeling the creature's hot breath on my neck I tore the rubbing from its pushpin and yanked the match free from the matchbook. The vampire paused. Her eyes opened with wide fear. Could she have known my plan? Then she lunged for me, grabbing a hold of my arms. Letting out a foul breath, she bared her fangs and dug her gnarled fingers into my wrists. I can't light the match. She was too strong. My head throbbed. My eyes burned. I'll only get one shot at this. I kicked out with my right leg, catching the vampire and her midsection. She stumbled back into one, back just one step, but it was enough. She had released my arms. I struck the match, its tip exploding into flame. I touched the match to the edge of the rubbing and tossed the paper onto the metal trash can. As the fire consumed the paper, the vampire collapsed to her knees, shrieking in pain. Her whole body appeared to be enveloped with flames, though thankfully nothing in my room caught fire. The paper finished burning with a black wisp of smoke spiraling towards the ceiling. A second line of smoke curled upward from the spot on the floor where Mercy Brown had fallen. She was gone, returned to the grave, for now. My fever broke instantly, my cough disappeared. I was bummed. I hated losing a gravestone rubbing for my collection, but you do what you gotta do, right? So... That's a a cute little vampire story, um... I decided to do a little mini-series on this because I think the stories are, are kind of cool. It says they're true. I don't know if they are or not. I could look into it more. If you have any suggestions on what state you want me to do next or anything like that, what state or if you know anything about this story, please email me at talkingtomydogspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or comment on the Instagram page at TalkingToMyDogs. Um, I hope you like this mini series. I'm going to post this one ad free for everybody just to get things rolling and I'll be back with a full episode this weekend. So, um, thanks for listening. Bye.